Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the Rowan University Football Coaches Show, a weekly look at the latest happenings in Profs football. Today's show is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble Bookstore, The Brown & Gold Gridiron Club, Inspira Health, Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar, the Rowan University Alumni Association, and the Southwest Council. Now, we take you to Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar in Glassboro, New Jersey, with Derek Jones and the head coach of Rowan University Football, Jay Accorsi, for the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. This is the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. I'm Derek Jones, joined by the head coach of Rowan University Props Football, Jay Accorsi. Coach, welcome in. Yeah, exciting week, exciting week. Yes, and it is a great week for Profs Football, and we've got a lot of ground to cover because the league kind of went upside down over the last week, and the Profs have the door open for them to potentially grab a piece of the NJAC title. And yes, for those of you wondering, do we have a list of the tiebreakers? Yes, we do. We will not go through every machination of them, but we'll give you the important stuff. But Coach, let's start off first with what happened last week with Kane and a game where the Profs end up winning 16-6. to Take me through your thoughts there. The team did what it had to do to grab a win, and again, the defense came up with big plays. Yeah, I thought just like the previous week, um, you know, we had not played well up at Kane in a number of years like Montclair, so it was nice that, you know, we were doing a similar trip than the week before, going up to North Jersey, playing at a hostile territory, you know, one of our in-state rivals, and again, I thought we did all the things that we did you know, prior the week before. And, um, you know, I thought we did some really, really good things and played really good football in all phases. Obviously, the defense stood out a little bit, but I thought the offense was very efficient. And I thought special teams were huge as well. When you take a look at a game like that, where the, the offense was able to get a boost by having James Farah back in the mix, um, what kind of lift does it give to you to have a guy like that back in there? Because he was... He was playing a little bit uh, encumbered with that that cast club, on his yeah, hand, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime you get a, one of your high-level players back, obviously we've missed James most of the season. Um, you know, and, and the younger running backs have all done a great job. Um, but again, it's different when you have somebody that's been through it before, somebody that has the experience, the patience to read blocks, the patience to know where to go, and then, you know, explode through holes. It was just great for him. I know, um, you know, it was really eating him up the last couple of weeks, not being able to be out there. And, um, you know, he was able to get cleared and, and go out there. And I thought, you know, even with basically one arm, he played really, really well. So, you know, it was a nice boost for us um, through a year where we've, we've lost a lot of players. 28 carries, 98 yards and a touchdown and get you going. 10 nothing start on the road. It always helps when you can jump out first. Yeah, we had talked about that, you know, with a team that was struggling and, and, and not really, you know, they don't have anything to lose. They can play with reckless abandon. I thought it was important we come out early, get on top of them quick and just kind of, um, you know, take the game at hand. And I thought we did that really early on. And I thought that was the difference. Some other things to note, Shane Martin, five catches, 92 yards on the day. The, the offense moved the chains when they needed to. Nate Mayers, 18 of 25, 169 yards through the air, and they took care of the football by and large. Yeah, I thought, obviously, the drive where we ate up the end of the third and most of the fourth you know, was huge. And again, complimentary football is when all three phases are helping each other, and Certainly, I thought the defense was able to play at a high level because they weren't out there a lot. You know, we really controlled the ball. Um, we really, you know, made sure that our possessions counted. Um, and that drive basically finished the game off. So, you know, again, when you're playing complementary football and all three phases are helping each other, you're going to have a better chance to win. Props held the football for 37 minutes uh, in the contest, which is extremely impressive. And anytime you can stake yourself to a 10 nothing lead, that certainly helps out matters a great deal. In the game, the props ran for 164 yards. Kane held to just 15. Yeah, and again, you know, we knew that's what we needed to do. You know, they obviously have a young quarterback as well. Been shuttling between the upperclassmen and, and the freshmen. And, you know, we wanted to put them in definite passing situations, which... Um, you know, I don't think they were all that comfortable in, and I thought we were able to do that by really stuffing the run. 
Now the props with the win. At the time, you know, we had talked about the last couple of weeks finishing the season strong and being able to kind of control things on the side of the matchups against the Jersey schools. And now all of a sudden, because of some of the results that played out, and, and we'll get to them, it, it's kind of changed a little bit the specter of this game coming up because now the props have a chance to at least grab a, a piece of, of first place. What have you said to your team this week about that? Because we're going to get into the, the, the tiebreaker shortly here, but there's so many different if X, then Y happens. Do you even talk about that? Or do you just say, guys, let's just take care of what we can control? Well, you, you know, you have to talk about it because it's obviously a, a point of interest and everybody's going to talk about it. But, um, you know, the hope is I told them that it, you know, it doesn't matter if we don't win Friday night. That's the most important thing that we control. All the other things after that, you know, let it fall into place. You know, I told them as the season was going on, conference play would be different. Um, you know, there would be a chance, you know, for some teams down the stretch. Um, obviously, some teams beat some teams. Um, and I think the conference is really very evenly matched. Um, and again, I, I think, you know, that, that's what put us in this position. But more importantly, us winning, you know, and that's what we have to understand. And I think this team understands that. So the props, in order to get at least a share of the NJAC championship, what they need is a win over William Patterson and a Christopher Newport loss to the College of New Jersey. And the College of New Jersey, we'll talk about them coming up in a second. If the props win over William Patterson, get a loss by Christopher Newport to TCNJ, and Salisbury loses to Kane, then the props get the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Um you know, we were just talking before we, we started recording here, the, the Hail Mary game against TCNJ. Now, that is kind of looming large in, in the landscape of how this race is potentially going to play out. Yeah, and, and again, I had mentioned early in the season that I thought it was going to be kind of really tight in conference, and it was, and every play is, has mattered and made a difference. And that one obviously now, you know, stands out even more than – you know, what happened that day and the great part of that play and that drive. Um, you know, TCNJ is a good football team. They beat Salisbury a couple of weeks ago. They probably, you know, have every right, you know, to, to knock off CNU. Um, you know, Montclair obviously last weekend beating CNU kind of made things a little interesting. Um, but again, you know, when you get into conference play, I think um, it, it just gets to be different and it just gets to be more important. And we put ourselves in a position to make it a meaningful game at the end of the season. That's all you can ask for. Absolutely. And one of the neat things is that all of these games are basically happening at the same time versus a game here on Friday and a couple of games there on Saturday. So that's, you know, you don't have to worry about necessarily finding out a result at this time or that time. The guys are going to play hard nonetheless. Yes. And again, it all starts with our game Friday night. You know, we want to stay undefeated in the state. Um, you know, we want to finish off on a good note. Um, you know, overall, it gets us to 500, um, gets us to four and two in conference, undefeated against the other New Jersey schools, but more importantly, gives the seniors a chance to go out on a, on a winning note and win a home game too, you know? So there's a lot of little interesting pieces that, that make this game really important. That's all you can ask for is that you're playing important games later on in the year in November and December. And, and we are. Um, and, and that's really great. So the short explanation on the scenarios for in regards to each team, the bottom line is Christopher Newport University, if they win against the College of New Jersey, they win the championship mm -hmm. outright. They also get a share of the championship if they lose to TCNJ. Now, the automatic qualifier situation, if they lose to TCNJ, then you start getting into – point margin yeah, point and, and things like that. And that's one of the things that came up in the course of looking at all of this first half scoring dif differential is something that does come into play. Potentially if some of these tiebreakers get exhausted, your, your thoughts on that deciding it rather than overall. Well, you know, we knew several years ago and we had several discussions about the automatic qualifier, you know, and, and the automatic bid, you know, it wasn't too, too long ago, the year we were nine and one tied with Cortland and, and Montclair. Uh, we had beaten one and lost to the other. We were ranked one in the region. Um, and those two teams got in and we didn't, that was a hard conversation 
for our players uh, because that year I think there were some six and four and seven and three teams that got in the playoffs and you're nine and one and you don't get in. Um, so, you know, again, the conversations about how to break the tiebreakers have always occurred at our level, um, you know, and give the commissioner and everybody, the athletic directors credit for us to think about all these things. The point differential one was kind of what we got from the NCAA. It used to be opponents, opponents record, which I won't even get into that craziness, but (laughs) you know, when you get into the point differential, you worry about a game where you're blowing somebody out in the second half. And we had had several discussions about that, that we didn't want that to occur. We didn't want to be in a situation where you're just rolling points all the way through the game. You know, that's not really the point of it. So we made the decision that the points in the first half would matter the most. So we never got into that type of situation. And so that's why it's set up that way. When you get into a, you know, a multiple team tie, it's easy when you do head to head, but when you get into three teams and then plus, it makes it a little bit difficult. What criteria do you use? And we just thought, you know, point differential would be one that would be important to use that the NCAA uses that we would use. And obviously the first half, we don't want to run the scores up. Yeah. And and that's a great point. The idea of, the overall scoring differential, because so many factors come into play, especially in the late third quarter, fourth quarter games that do get out of hand. And we've, we've seen it before. There are teams who it would appear on paper are trying to run up the score on people. And this is a great protection. Yeah. There's some that do it anyways, but that's, that's their issue. You know, we just thought overall as a conference, that was not a good thing to do and not fair to all the conference teams to, to put somebody in that position that if potentially you're having a, a bad game and somebody's having a really good game and you just keep rolling up points, there's no real benefit to that. That doesn't really prove anything. So, again, we thought it was important first half point differential um, would be important because, you know, again, you're once you start the second half, you're fighting all the way through and then – as the game unfolds, third and fourth quarter, you decide to do some different things. First half, you usually don't because you never know what's going to happen. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM right after this. WGLS programming is made possible in part by the Rowan University Alumni Association. Delighted to serve over 100,000 Rowan Proud Profs through exciting events and programs, communications, volunteer and mentorship opportunities, and special benefits and discounts. Since its founding, the Alumni Association has worked to maintain a lasting and positive relationship between our dedicated graduates and their alma mater. Alumni are encouraged to check out the website for more information about getting involved. The website is alumni.rowan.com. Rowan.edu. The Rowan University Alumni Association is proud to sponsor the programming on Rowan Radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Can't get enough of the oldies? Join me, Greg May. And me, Maddie Kay. Every Saturday from 8 p.m. till midnight as we explore the top songs on the Billboard Hot 100 charts of yesteryear. You'll hear everything from the Bee Gees to the King of Rock and Roll, Chairman of the Board, and more. Each week features a special theme hour that'll have you rocking and rolling all night long. It's Saturday night at the oldies. Every Saturday at 8 p.m. Only on Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. And with that, it's time to bring in the Rowan University Football Players of the Week. And we are joined right now by two members of the Props Offensive Line, Darren Cooney and Steve Simonetti. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's always great to talk Props Football with some of the guys in the trenches. And how about this last couple of weeks here for the Props? You guys have battled through adversity throughout the course of the season to get back now in the the chase for the NJAC championship. What's the last couple of weeks been like for the team? Well, to put it bluntly, it's been sort of a grind. You know, uh, after the Salisbury game, we thought there really wasn't much of an opportunity to get to this point again. So at that point, our main goal was to finish out 5-5, five and five, you know, finish at 500. But now as we're getting close to the ending, end of the season, this opportunity to uh, potentially get a you know, piece of the NJAC – 
just makes it that much more appetizing to finish off strong. How about for you, Darren? It's definitely like the motto of the season. It's that next play mentality, that next game mentality. The only thing you can do is push forward and keep going, and that's what we've done. And it's really presented us with an opportunity to get a win on Friday and let the chips fall where they may. There have been a lot of moving pieces on offense, different quarterbacks, different running backs. How has the offensive line been able to adjust to that throughout the course of the season? Uh, well, mainly we've just been able to focus on what we have on the O-line itself. You know, we've had a little adjustments here and there, you know, with little injuries and everything. So we've been making adjustments for ourselves and, you know, finding that sweet spot with everybody on the team. And then from there, just focus on us and then let the other pieces fall into place. Yeah, those guys have done a great job. The, the young guys coming in, like Nate at quarterback. Yes. The running backs filling in. We try to be that support that they can rely on us. But as you see, Nate coming in in the TCNJ game, throwing the Hail Mary, a freshman. It's it awesome. <laughs> he made the play we needed to do it. So, Coach, how much credit do you give to the offensive line to be able to kind of adjust with all the changes that they've seen at the skill spots throughout the course of the year, especially quarterback and running back, where, you know, it, different styles, different level of play, different um, just a different chemistry altogether. How about the offensive line? Yeah, they're doing a great job. And, and again, they've had to deal with some injuries with some different players throughout the year and some we've lost for the year. And then, you know, some that have been in and out some games and that makes it difficult. Um, you know, again, I, I think the offensive line is that unit that really has to be together more so than probably most of the other positions. Um, because again, they need to work as one and work together. And there are so many pieces that are relying upon what they do. And I think, you know, these two and the whole group, you know, have done a great job. Coach Gino Gretkowski, obviously we're very fortunate to have a coach that's played at high levels. He was, um, inducted into the, you know, University of Delaware hall of fame, he played in a Super Bowl. Um, you know, we were excited to have him, uh, you know, be added to the staff um, when we lost, you know, Coach Dottie, longtime coach. So it's hard when you make those transitions and changes, but I think he's really done a phenomenal job with this group. Um, and, and I, you know, they're a really good, tight knit group, um, you know, and they work really well together and they take great pride in what they do. And obviously that's been kind of the staple with the changes of all the other spots around them. It, it, talking about the coaches and, and playing off of that, how about some of the players that you all have, have learned from along that offensive line? Steven, how about for you first? Well, for me, at least uh, last year, I was learning a lot from uh, Jeff uh, DeGene, the uh, la left tackle for the last couple years. You know, I was learning a lot from him. Uh, in terms of this year, uh, I – you know, along with Cooney, I have uh, Brady Smith and uh, Price Bouchard always giving, you know, tips and tricks for me while I'm up on that line. And uh, just all, all around, the offensive line is just, they're willing to help each other out. No one's kind of just in it for themselves. They understand it's a team effort. So if someone's struggling in something, they have, no one has a problem taking them aside or just chatting them up and, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. Darren, how about you? Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, like it's it's a brotherhood. We all we all have thick skin. If someone does something wrong, it's okay to say, "Yo, maybe you should have done this." And everyone's fine with that. We all want to get better. Um, but the two guys, without a doubt, like Stash Robert Stashik and Price Bouchard. Like I had to fill in some games at center when uh, Bouch was injured, and he helped me tremendously understanding defenses, certain techniques that I need at center that are different from guard. How well you mentioned how different it is being a center. That's an entirely different skill set. Um, in in this area, a lot of people are huge fans of, of Jason Kelsey with the Eagles. So they they kind of have at least uh, you know they keep their eyes on the center these days. But t talk to me about how a, as a player you're able to adjust and learn different positions along that offensive line. Yeah, this this year was definitely interesting. I was able to start a game at left guard, center, and right guard. So I was able to play the interior three, which was wow. which was cool to do. I mean, I did that in high school as well. So it was, it was cool to be able to do that again. But center, there's nothing like it. You feel like you're you're like running the offense. You're you're telling everybody that where they need to go. You're looking at what the linebackers are doing, where the D line is, maybe what what blitzes or stunts they could be running. So it's like it's like a little chess game. I liked it, and the technique is the technique is good too. Coach, the ability to be able to play different positions along the line, that's a difficult thing to do. 
Yeah, and again, I think Gino, uh, Coach Gorkowski's done a, a great job shuttling them around, um, you know, and moving the different pieces, um, you know, to put them in the best spot for themselves, but also the best spot for the team in the offense. So, um, you know, we, we've shuttled and moved guys around, um, you know, when, when we've had players go down. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's just really important and I think it helps them, too, because you understand all the pieces and all the things that need to be done. So you just don't have that mindset of this is what I need to do, this is where I go. When you have a greater understanding of how it all works, I think it makes you a better player so that you understand your role a little bit more and understand how important it is it is for you to do your specific role. So I think moving them around and having them see the big picture definitely helps um, for the overall success of everybody. Steven, have you been pressed into duty to do some different things in, in that line, play some different positions? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have I started off the season working on the right side, and then eventually coaches decided to move me to the left. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the same thing as Darren doing, switching between guard and uh, you know center, because really at the end of the day it's just switching up the stance and taking a step to the other side with the right. play calls. But you know, it's it was nice, though, to get a little change up. Talk to me about this Friday. Um, this is a this is a big moment for a lot of players. It's senior night. What are some of the emotions going through um, you guys? Because the the idea that this could be the last game of the regular season or last game of the season, I should say. We'll see how things play out. But what are the emotion levels of the team this week as they get ready for this final game at home? I'd say the uh, the emotion levels of this of the team, at least for this week, is. Uh, Everyone wants to finish strong, obviously. Mm-hmm. They want to leave everything they have out there so that regardless of what happens, we can all look back on it and say we gave it our heart you know, heart and soul into it. We say we're ready to go. Yeah, it's definitely it's exciting. We're getting that elusive win at home that we won it all season. We got close with a couple games. So this is the one we're looking forward to, get that win, give us a chance, and get that elusive win at home. Is there anything that surprised you guys so far um, this year from a team perspective from – when you got back into camp all the way back in August to right now, anything um, that, that has stood out for you? Uh, I'd probably say the QB situation because we've just had you know, such a transition between them. Mm-hmm. We had we swept through, what, three QBs this season so far? You know, all of them fighting for positions. You know, all of them were quite capable. So I guess that was the main thing. That was a surprise for all of us, at least at the O-line. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely personnel, uh, personnel, um, like different people being in there. Like we said, we're running back, uh, quarterback, and the offensive line, like people playing different positions that I didn't expect they would play. I didn't expect I would play. But I feel like everybody's done a great job of filling in, and the young guys, like you said, at running back and quarterback, just doing a great job. Coach, you talked about how much adversity this team has dealt with this year because of injuries, and and that has to, like, from a chemistry standpoint, that's got to be tough as a coach because you, you, it, from week to week, it had there hasn't been a lot of normalcy. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it started, you know, even before training camp. You know, we lost a player that wasn't going to come back, and on the offensive line, and then it started right from there, just trying to figure out all the pieces, and then you know, losing some players, um, you know, for the season and then for different points and times of the season, you know, I guess as a coach, you're just kind of always prepared for it. You just try to always try to think of all the different scenarios beforehand. Um, I I didn't think we'd have as many injuries this year um, as we would, but I thought the players have been really resilient, you know, and and done a, a great job overcoming it. And I think it's those other experiences too. When I, I sit here with Steve and Darren, you know, they came in the COVID year um, and not many students were here and they both helped me um, deliver food to the people in the area. Mm. Um, you know, so we weren't doing football the team house became, or at least the locker room, I'm probably not supposed to say, but became a storage facility for food for people. We had an alum um, help with the cans of soup, right, if you guys remember. Mm-hmm. We had uh, pallets of soup inside the locker room, right, yeah. and food, right, on tables all over the place. Um, and, and, and both of these two, Stephen and Darren, were two freshmen that – I guess didn't have much to do, so they decided to reach out and, and help me, and we'd drive around in my car, right? I think sometimes I had my son with me, and we'd drive around in Glassboro, um, 
to to places that are right in the middle of campus, right? And it really surprised and shocked me the need of people right within our campus of community members. And these two guys did a great job. We'd pull up, open the back of the thing. We had masks on. We had yeah. grabbed the <laughs> baskets of food. Sometimes we sorted it in the locker room. Um, how quickly we forget those things. Um, so my hope is, um, you know, those experiences have had these two at least and, and the others that help have a greater picture and understanding of what they're doing. And, again, I think it makes you – not only a better football player, but a better person when you do those things. And these two guys were awesome. I, I got to know them from doing that. You know, we recruited them. I kind of knew them, but, you know, by them jumping in my car and us going out to deliver food, it, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty neat, you know, and at least we felt like we were doing something. I think we all missed football. Um, I definitely yeah. did. The locker room was now full of food and not people, <laughs> but you know, that's okay. You know, we, we made do with what it was and we were able to help some people in need. And again, I, you know, I want to thank these two personally because that was a, you know, a tough time not having football, but it was awesome having two freshmen you really didn't know much about offer on their own to help deliver food. And I thought that was just awesome. And, and again, that helps all these other things that we're going through the adversity of the season, losing at home, fighting through. My hope is those other outside experiences help you when these things occur. Yeah, how about that period for you guys? Because that's it's a big challenging point for a lot of students and student athletes as well who are trying to find some sense of normalcy in their day-to-day -day routines. And there was nothing normal about that period. How did you guys find ways to adjust? Well, first thing we did, we were doing the uh, weekly deliveries with Coach Acorsi. Uh, I say trying to find normalcy. Part of it was just trying to figure out how to adjust to the classes. I mean, the one decent thing, or not sure if I'd say decent, was that with that season as freshmen, you didn't, even since there was no season, you got to experience it almost as like somewhat of a normal college kid, you know, even though it was COVID. So you had some of a smoother transition versus with uh, you know, preseason camp and everything like that. But at the same time, uh, I have to say, because we actually were roommates freshman year. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, so it made it easier. I felt like it made it easier for us because we just, you know, we had two linemen just living together. So it was some <laughs> kind of normalcy with football related, and it just it helped just make everything right. smoother. How about for you, Darren? Yeah, I would say the same. Um it, it was somewhat of a norm, normalcy, like, just trying to give back as well. Like, someone having some type of human interaction, some type of talking to these people and dropping off the food as well. So if that was if that was my family and that was my community, I would want people to try to help them as well, um, as well as living with another football guy, talking about football, talking about how much we miss football. Because it's the <laughs> fall, that's the season, that's what you look forward to. That's been the last four years of our life in high school was – we're in the middle of the season. We're in the middle of games, and now it's just we don't have lift. We don't have get. We don't have practice. We don't have games. So it's like really, what is there? And just get ready for the spring. That's really what we did. We just look forward to the spring, get through those classes, and and hope it would fast forward. Hope it would hurry up. <laughs> now, it, it, is there any difference between pre-COVID, post-COVID, in terms of a football perspective, and how you guys practice, go about your week in terms of the routine? I'd say now, no. Like, I know, like, that first year after COVID, the uh, our sophomore year, so was that 2021, mm -hmm. there was a big difference then, or somewhat of a difference then, because, you know, COVID was still on the horizon. Yeah. So if you didn't have the vaccine, you had to get, like, weekly checkups and everything like that. And then if someone got sick, it's like, oh, no, you know, who's he with? Yeah. Like, possible contacts. But at this point in time, I'd say there's really no difference. Interesting. Well... For me, this year I actually did get COVID mm -hmm. during the season. So for me, um, yeah, it's somewhat still affected, but in the grand scheme of things, no. Like everything's back to normal. Um, I remember like going in the spring practices, we would, coach would be taking our temperature before we walked on the field. We'd be wearing masks so and doing the uh, the daily screening on the uh, the Rowan websites. So I remember that. But now we're pretty much back to normal. 
Thank God. So it's not too bad. I'll be careful when I say that. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> Before we let you guys get out of here, I j- just want to kind of recap a couple of things with you. The The highlights of the season, what are some of the things that have stood out to you um, as, as far as your favorite things go about this, this season? Well, first things would obviously have to be that uh, insane win against TCNJ at the end there. Mm-hmm. It was um, – I think that last drive was showed great unity by the team, able to stick it through in the hard times to get the job done. So I, I got to say that's a highlight so far. Uh, and I think the other big one for me, at least at this point, would be the Montclair game. Because I, uh, sorry, I didn't, last time we were down there, we weren't able to get the win. And coaches talked about how we were struggling down there the last couple of years. So to finally break that streak was uh, another highlight for the season. I would definitely say the obviously the TCNJ game, but all the little things in between, like the meetings, uh, practices, just uh, joking around with the other offensive linemen, um, really enjoying our time and and soaking in the little things, and uh, we'll definitely be ready to make another highlight, another memory on Friday. So finish it off right. <laughs> what was what was the first pres- impression you guys had of of each other meeting each other in in the, the course of being a part of this program? When you, you first, uh, because you're you're from different parts of, of Jersey, I believe you're from Wayne yes. Valley, yes, and you're Gloucester City, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so you're you're that's a little bit of a of a, of a different uh, connection. What did you guys think when you met each other? It was uh, well, we first met each other over in a uh, like a freshman lineman group chat, mm-hmm. and that's how we kind of came to the conclusion to be roommates. Just you know, I was like, hey, I got nobody. Do you have anybody? Let's you know live together. Yeah. But when we actually moved in together, I'd say it was a pretty smooth transition, you know, for the most part. I mean, we, we got along pretty well. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'd say the same. It was definitely smooth. Um, so you're, you're used to your friends from your hometown, and I'm from South Jersey, you know, North Jersey, a little different, um, especially like the pork roll and Tyler Ham. So I had to get that <laughs> figured out right away, see what he called it, see if we'll get along, and then um, – but yeah, it was it was smooth. We we bonded pretty quickly, especially with both being linemen and both enjoying football. Taylor Ham versus Porkroll. That's different than Eagles Giants. Chat. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Usually that's the fight, but again, um, you know, and that's the great part about you know football. I think is it brings a lot of different people from a lot of different places, and you know, a, a North Jersey guy can meet a South Jersey guy and hopefully make friends forever, and. Um, you know, I, I think that's the, the great part about football. There's so many pieces, so many players, and um, so many connections. And, you know, the hope is, you know, later on in life, it could be 10, 15, 20 years. I think I mentioned before, one of, uh, you know, a teammate of mine from college, um, you know, back in the 80s, snuck into my office during the summer. Um, I won't get public safety in trouble, but they, they, he kind of schmoozed his way in and, I hadn't seen Joe Henningsen, you know, in like 10 years. And it, it was like we just left off. And, and there's nothing, you know, greater than that feeling. And, again, seeing the players make these bonds, that's really what the hope is, is that you're making lifelong friends and, and brothers and you can always rely on somebody. And, um, you know, it was pretty neat to see. It was pretty neat to see, again, you know, that fall, you know, Steve and Darren, you know, in my car kind of, getting to know each other and I didn't know him either. So it was pretty cool to see. And, um, you know, I think those are the more important things we learned from COVID, right? It's just being with people and communicating and being able to socialize and do all those important things, um, that we all miss so much. And that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, to be involved with these two and see their relationships start to form and grow. Guys, we'll let you get out on this one. What's one thing that's changed most about you from the time you were a freshman to right now? I guess the one thing I'd say for certain, at least growing up, was uh, uh, being able to be independent you know, from back home. That was kind of one of the big reasons I wanted to go to a college that was a little far away from home, was that I knew that I had to learn independence for myself, you know, for my family, and everything like that, so... I'd say that's probably the biggest change for me from freshman to year to senior right. year. Is that I'm fully confident in that now. Good answer, good answer. I'll give the basic answer, probably maturity. Just growing up, uh, especially like in the classroom and even like um, like socially, just maturing and 
yeah, it's being older, like getting older, understanding like you, your future is important and focusing on grades and everything you're going to do from here on is going to impact the rest of your life. Well, guys, thanks so much for spending time with us here today. Stephen Simonetti and Darren Cooney of the Roan University Prospect Football Team. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us here on the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having us. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM right after this. Ooh, RowanRadio.com? What's this? A full program and sports schedule for WGLS so you never miss your favorite shows? Station archives to see the history of Rowan Radio? A virtual tour of the station? They even have podcasts, too. Oh, and you can listen online. Ooh, I love this song. Go to RowanRadio.com for more Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Back here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Derek Jones and the head coach of Pross Football, Jay Acorsi. Coach, always good to hear from the offensive linemen on the show. Yes, and again, you know, these two have a little bit of a special place, you know, for me because of what they helped um, do during the COVID year when we didn't have football, like I said, to go out and you know, deliver food to people and help others. And it was of their own volition. They, they both kind of reached out to me like, hey, coach, is there anything going on or something we can do? And I'm like, yeah, I got a lot for you to do, you know, and, <laughs> and let's hook up. And, um, you know, but again, you know, I, I think two of all representatives of all our players that I think the world of and, um, you know, couldn't appreciate them more for what they do, you know, lifting, um you know, practice, early film sessions, meetings, yoga, um, you know, classes, all the things that they do um, is a lot. And I think a student athlete in college, especially at the small college level, they're not getting paid like most of the others that right. you hear about. So they're making a lot of sacrifices and it's hopefully for, um, you know, something that they're really passionate about. And Again, I think, you know, year three of our rebuild from COVID, we're in a really good spot. You know, we got a lot of players back, um, you know, and, and again, I think these two are a perfect example of it's not just the football. You got to juggle the academic piece and then you got to be a good community person and citizen and the social piece. And, um, you know, I'm going to miss these two just because of, um, you know, those experiences I had their first year um helping out but um we're really proud of all our players and the props will be back to it on friday taking on william patterson university william patterson defeated by tcnj last saturday 31 to 14 so you know the college of new jersey is very interesting this year um they're one of the teams kind of at the the center of this potential five-way tie for first place in the NJAC. They they seemingly are playing their best football of the year right now since the loss to Rowan. Yeah, I, I you know I think they were obviously struggling to score points. Um, you know they got in a little bit of a, a bind and behind quickly against Montclair early in the year, and we caught them early in the year. Um, a good football team. They they got a lot of good players. I mean, to go to Salisbury and beat Salisbury, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, and they're playing really, really good football. And again, I think complimentary football, they, I think they understand who they are and what they're doing. And I was really impressed the day we went up there. Um, you know, it, it was a huge battle and we were able to escape with a really great dramatic win. Um, but they really tested us in all phases and, uh, you know, not surprising that they're playing high level football at the end of the year. Christopher Newport, we mentioned it earlier, losing to Montclair State 19-14. to That game taking place down in Virginia, so a little bit of an upset there yeah. as Christopher Newport sees a, a chance to cinch up things in the end, Jack, go by the boards. And credit to Montclair State for going out and getting a tough win on the road. Yes, and again, you know, I, I think Montclair is a similar situation, maybe even a little bit more different because, you know, new head coach, um, you know, replacing a legend, um, you know, trying to find their way and who they are and what they're about. And they're obviously trending in a, a, a good direction and playing really good football, um, you know. And, and again, they did a great job going down to, to beat off, you know, knock off CNU. I, you know, that game with CNU for us was so close and there were so many critical points of the game, um, you know, midway through and early on that a turn here and a turn there. And, 
you know, we might have been able to get away with a win and then put ourselves in even bit of a different situation. But, um, you know, I told the team the conference was going to be really kind of all over the place, and it's really played itself that way the last several weeks. And on the side of Salisbury, Salisbury 59-20 win over McDaniel. So out of the NJAC this week is Salisbury, and they get a 39-point win. Yeah, you know, obviously with that offense, I think, you know, uh, what I thought TCNJ did a great job of against them was get that turnover early in the game and score. So they had to play catch up. Anytime you get Salisbury in that situation, that's not what they want to be. You know, that turnover we almost got in the first possession was huge because if we get that and maybe go down and score and get some sort of points, it changes the complexion of the game with a team like that. They play really well when they're ahead. They play really well when they know they can move the chains and run the ball. Um, when they're behind, they struggle, and TCNJ was able to get a few scores and have them try to play catch-up football, and that's not what they want to do. And they don't throw the ball as much as they used to when they had some of those really good teams. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of how things develop for them this week. We'll get into the schedule coming up in, in just a sec here. But uh, because of the way the schedule played out this year, everybody is playing this weekend, but not everybody's playing a conference, conference team the last couple of weeks. And Salisbury finishing up their non-conference schedule this past weekend against McDaniel. Muhlenberg against Montclair State, that will take place this Friday at 6 o'clock. So Montclair State done with NJAC play and they kind of will wait and see how things play out. Yeah. And that's a huge game for Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg's trying to get one of those at large bids, obviously, you know, losing to John Hopkins, but pretty much playing well the rest of the season. So, you know, that's a huge conference game between the Centennial and the NJAC. Again, we have not, the NJAC really fared well against the Centennial schools and there's a whole host of reasons why. Um, but again, that's a huge game. Montclair's playing really well at the end of the year, and that's a must-win for Muhlenberg if they're going to try to get into the NCAA playoffs with, with the one loss to Hopkins. Christopher Newport against TCNJ, that's going to not necessarily set the stage because everything's happening at the same time, but it, it's going to be the game that maybe kind of dictates what happens the, the rest of the way as far as the tiebreakers go. You know, you you have said this before. That's not an easy place to play. Just it's just a, a different environment there at TCNJ and Christopher Newport trying to rebound after a tough week. Yeah, and it's a long trip for them. So I'd imagine they're coming up, you know, Thursday night because it's a huge game for them. Um, so again, I'm sure they're coming up Thursday night to play that, you know, Friday night and then head back down. That's a that's a tough trip and that's a tough one to do. Um, you know, when you're doing an overnight and then you're trying to play it on a Friday night. Um, again, TCNJ, I think, plays a little bit better in night games. Um, they're a little harder and tougher at their place Friday night. So that'll be, a, again, the interesting matchup. But TCNJ is playing really well. You know, probably the hottest team besides us maybe in the NJAC. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. You know, CNU is going to have... You know, for them to win the conference, they're going to have to win a, a big game against a really hot team. So, um, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see what occurs. Kane against Salisbury, that rounds things out. That's obviously a, a piece of the the puzzle on, on your end to potentially get the automatic qualifier for the NJAC. Having seen Kane now, I mean, that was it was a very interesting game because I believe all the scoring was done in the first half last week with, with the props. What did you see when you took a look at the Cougars as far as what they were able to do? Yeah, I think they're just struggling offensively with some newer pieces. Um, you know, they're struggling running the ball and, 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 and with a freshman quarterback now they've gone to throwing the ball. Really good defense, though. I mean, a Danny Garrett team is always going to have a great defense, and, you know, they do a great job, and they're stout, and they're good against the run, and I thought we played well. You know, their defense is as good as most in the conference. Again, it's that complimentary football when your offense is struggling, and their special teams aren't what they usually are either. So when those two phases are struggling, there's going to be extra stress and pressure put on um, your defense, but, but who knows, you know, they, they're going to, you know, play a really good game. And I know Danny's going to get those guys to work really hard and, 
you never know. That's that's why you play. You know, you have to earn wins. And you have to this year you have to earn wins in conference. It's not just gonna be, well, this is the matchup and that team should win. That's certainly not the case. I mean, there's parity all the way across. And you know, when you're talking about a potential five-way tie for first place, um, you know, I'm sure it's making national news across the division three football landscape. You know, that, that's different. That doesn't happen a lot when teams are knocking each other off. Um, and I kind of had a feeling it might be that type of season. It's turned out to be that way. Yeah, and this is, as far as I can remember, this is the first time something yeah. like this has, has happened in, in recent memory. You know, you've, we talked about the, the three-way tie earlier. We've seen that. We've seen machinations of maybe X, Y, or Z can happen. But the fact that we could have a five-way tie for first, that certainly presents – a lot of unique things uh, to to think about come what could be Friday night after the games kind of settle in and the results come in. Uh, as far as William Patterson goes, the Pioneers, um, we've seen them kind of have an up-and-down season. What are some of your thoughts on William Patterson? Dangerous team. Um, probably the most athletic team in the conference. Mm. Um, the most speed um, very dynamic. Um, you know, their wide receivers can hurt you really fast. Their returners can. They've done a good job by staying in games and winning games with their special teams. Um, we're just going to have to tackle really well, not only just defensively, but special teams. That's going to be critical for us. Um, you know, they can get away with some things schematically because they're so athletic. We just got to make sure we're running and tackling um, everybody, everywhere, all the time. Um, they're a scary team, and, and the coach has done a, a great job. They have some really good players. Um, they kind of know what their identity is, um, and they're getting better and better from the previous years too. So um, you look at their scores, and they're not far from winning a lot more in conference by what they're doing, and they're very competitive and very good. So far, William Patterson this season has struggled in terms of, of wins. Two and seven on the year, one and four in the end, Jack. But they've been right there in, in just about every game they've played this year. The game last year against Rowan, uh, it, it seemed like, you know, th they they have a way of, of just you, you look up and it's the second half and they're, they're right there hanging around. It's a tough team to shake. Yeah, you know, they really played Montclair tough and, and had Montclair for a little bit. Um, they had Salisbury on the ropes, really. Like, they were leading most of the game. Um, so it shows that they can play against anybody in conference and, you know, a bounce here and a bounce there. And, you know, they could be three and two in contention for the conference championship as well as everybody. So, again, really good team, very athletic, a lot of speed. We're going to be really tested in a lot of areas. Going back to the game last year between the Profs and the Pioneers, William Patterson and Rowan played in a tight game. It was a 14-9 contest in Wayne, New Jersey. So the last couple of years, these have been hotly contested games. A game two years ago, homecoming, that was a game. You know, John Maldonado made some big plays in that contest to help the Profs solidify a win, but it was not easy against William Patterson. This time around, the Profs will get them in Glassboro with a kickoff time of... 7 p.m. And before we go to break here, it's military appreciation along with senior night. How about the importance of, of saluting the military? Yeah, obviously, and you, you know, you see it across the landscape. I think a lot of it started with the NFL and, and what they do and honor our uh, servicemen and women, uh, both uh, past and present. Um, obviously, with what's going on in the world right now, uh, things are tense all over the place. So, um, you know, to honor those that help us um, stay safe um, and keep people safe, not only here in the United States, but across the landscape in the world, it's tenuous times and um, really important that we rem remember the sacrifice um, that our uh, service men and women make for us, for us to have and be able to do these things that we do. So really important, always a, a, an important night for us. And um, again, always important to understand, um, you know, why we have what we have because 
uh, people are willing to put themselves on the line for the betterment of others and uh, a really important night that we've honored uh, the last several years and will continue to do so. It's really important. And again, for those in the past that did it too, to remember our veterans and those that have made sacrifices um, to continue to take care of them and thank them for all that they do. It's just a really important thing, um, you know, to do. And it's all, it's our small part, um, you know, again, to thank them. Uh, before we go to, to our last break, the other component to that senior night, this is really the, the senior class that came in COVID. during COVID. Uh, what can you say about this group and, and what it's been like to have them? Because it's an unprecedented piece of really American history that they were involved with in trying to adjust through that in terms of the end of their high school run and then starting up college. Yeah, and again, I thought small college athletics really took a hit. You know, obviously the big schools played. Um, you know, we lost 83 players, you know, from the 19 season to 21. That's a lot. That's almost your whole team. Um, you know, I know for, for Steven and, and, and Darren, you know, they could come back. Darren, you know, probably not. We had some conversations the other day. Steven's still kind of trying to figure it out. Selfishly, I want them all back um, for their fifth year. That's the bonus, I think, of the COVID year is all those players get that extra year to be able to come back. Um, but again, you know, when you hear these two talk, that's why we're back playing a meaningful game now is because of their care for each other and their care for Rowan football um, and the sacrifices that they've made. But, you know, that was an interesting time. And, and again, these two, um, you know, have a special place with me because of what they helped us do to help others. Um, but again, that COVID year is that one that, um, you know, you get kind of lost, you know, they're here and, what are they really doing again? And they decide to stay on campus and try to do the full experience, which is important. Um, but again, this is a senior group that, you know, they either were here in 19 and got the extra year and went through it, or they came in 20 and they may come back. Um, or maybe there's only a handful of those that were here in 18 and for some reason have worked the extra year. So, um, you know, we're very appreciative of them, um, keeping the program afloat and getting us back to restarting and rebuilding. And certainly these two are just a part of a, a great senior group. Um, I think it's like 15 or 16 or 17. And again, hopefully some of them are coming back <laughs> selfishly, but they have to do what's best for themselves. But certainly very appreciative for us, for them to get us back to be playing meaningful games in November. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Roan University Football Coaches Show. It'll be time for our Roan University Football Fan Questions uh -oh. of the Week. Uh -oh. Stay tuned. More right after this. Your 2023 G League champions, the Delaware Bluecoats, are back in full swing on Friday, November 10th, as the Coats will go up against the Westchester Knicks in their 2023 home opener. Tune in into our website on RoanRadio.com Channel 2 for live play-by-play -play coverage from Aaron Hook and Connor McAndrew with the tip-off scheduled for 7 p.m. The Delaware Bluecoats are back, so make sure you hear the electricity and excitement of all of their home games right here on your home for Bluecoats basketball on RoanRadio.com Channel 2. Back here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show, right here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Derek Jones alongside with the head coach of Profs Football, Jay Acorsi, as we get set for Rowan and William Patterson coming up on Saturday. It is an action-packed weekend of Rowan University sports. The Profs on the football side of things, getting going and rounding out their regular season, Rowan Basketball on the men's and women's mm -hmm. side getting started this weekend. Rowan women's soccer going Playoffs, on. Yeah. The, the, and field hockey. Yeah. And field hockey yeah, as well. Absolutely. This is one of the craziest times of year for Rowan athletics. And it's what's it like being in that office with all this activity? Buddy? Well, you know, <laughs> the football coaches are now kind of over in the team house. So, you know, unfortunately, we don't see most of everybody else um, over in Esby, but it's an exciting time. It's, you have a lot going on, um, a lot of activity, um, you know, the holidays creeping up. I was in the store the other day and all of a sudden quickly from Halloween to, to Thanksgiving and fast into Christmas with all the decorations. 
It's an exciting time. And again, we're very fortunate to be at a university and part of an athletic department that's very successful. So again, we wish all our coaches the best, uh, but certainly those that are in postseason play, and then certainly those that are starting their season off, a new women's basketball coach, um, you know, replacing Demetrius, who has a place in all our hearts. And so it's a, a lot of different emotions of a lot of different things going on this time of year, which makes it exciting. It makes it fun. Please head to rowanradio.com to follow the all of the athletics fun that will take place this weekend. Also, Delaware Bluecoats basketball starting on Rowan Radio Channel 2 as well. So if you like sports, this is the weekend for yep, you. It's great. To take a listen on Rowan Radio. It's time to get to our fan questions of the week. And we will start first with Brian from Glassboro. He wants to know about the NJAC tiebreakers. Um, you, you spoke about the evolution of, of that in, in terms of the last time. What are your thoughts on how the tiebreaker situation's handled? Is there a best practices way to do something like this uh, when, when it's involving five teams? Yeah, and again, I think as a conference, we've had that discussion over the years, and you have to, you know, at one point it was the Rose Bowl rule with two teams. You know, the team last not in gets to go. And again, you know, when you had the automatic qualifier um, and that landscape changed for Division Three football playoffs you had to find a way to do it um again i won't get into the opponent's opponent's record that's a whole set of scenarios you could talk about i think we do a good job i think we've been prepared for this type of situation um it's in our bylaws and i know it's a little bit intricate and hard to figure out but it still is in place um to make sure if there are five teams that have a piece that one team does have the automatic bid uh, going in, which is probably important this year because we're probably not going to get two in because we keep knocking each other off um, and and didn't fare well against the Centennial. So, um, again, I think we have something that's really good in place that we talk about every year. So, And that's something that people have to understand. Our next question is from Rob and Ben Salem. What's been the biggest shock to you this season um, overall? I think the injuries, you know, it's it's always a part of the game, you know, and as coaches, and especially in football, you always prepare for it. But you have that year every four or five or six years where you just lose a lot of players. And, you know, as coaches and the athletic training staff, Colleen Grugan and all her people that do a great job, you're always trying to say, well, why? Why did this occur? Why did that happen? And this is just a year we've had a lot of different injuries for a lot of different reasons. And we've lost at one point at the beginning of the season one or two players every game, and that takes its toll. But I'm really proud of how the team has responded. And you talk about football being the ultimate team sport because you never know. Certainly in the quarterback position, that's a whole – we knew it was going to be kind of all over, and who would have known that a you know a freshman that came in late into camp and was six on the depth chart would be your starter in Week 10. Um, but again, you just got to try to be prepared for the unexpected. Um, but that's the part that I think has surprised a lot of us and coaches made it really difficult more than most is so many of the injuries. Of course, if you have any other questions for Coach Acorsi, you can send them on in to at Rowan Radio on X, X slash Twitter and WGLS Sports. Coach, uh, the props getting ready for what they hope to be a very exciting Friday night of action over at Coach Richard Wacker Stadium. Yes, and again, you know, we talk to the players all year long, and especially in the conference play that it might be one of those years it is. Um, all you can do is hope to be playing meaningful games in November. Um, we've been spoiled here at Rowan, especially in the football program, you know, that we have the last few years, maybe not as much, um, but I think we're trending in the right direction. I think the program year three of the rebuild is headed in a phenomenal area and we're playing an important game in November for a piece of the conference year. Who would have thought that, you know, who would have expected that to occur? But again, I think this team is really resilient. They've overcome so much. Um, and it's only fitting, you know, this team that kind of had overcome COVID is overcoming other things to put ourselves, um, you know, in a crazy situation to possibly have a piece of the conference championship. But again, as we mentioned, it doesn't happen unless we win Friday night. So first home win, 500 record, sending the seniors out and feeling good about ourselves where we are. Um, that's been our focus. All those other things, 
you can't control and you can't worry about. We need to worry about playing good football, and we've been doing that the last several weeks, so we're really excited about that. Coverage begins on 89.7 at 6 o'clock with an encore presentation of the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. That will be followed by Prosper pregame at 6.30. As we bring you Rowan and William Patterson kickoff at 7. Coach, best of luck to you. Thanks. Should be a great night. Military Appreciation Night. Uh, Friday night game uh, in the fall, the end of the season, near the end of the, you know, cruising in towards the end of the semester. Huge crowd, the band again, you know, being there in their fancy swag uniforms and <laughs> and honoring our seniors and those uh, that have done their service and doing their service um, to protect us. So should be a great night and a great game with a lot at stake. And um, I'm really excited to see our team play. Um, you know, for the final time at home this season um, and, and to come out victorious. So it should be a great evening. Special thanks to Sam DeChusis for guiding us along on tonight's show. Stay tuned. Pop flavor on the way. We will talk to you next time on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show next Thursday at 6 right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Have a good one, everybody.